If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with Ralph Gaillard, who is Chief Learning Director at the Illinois CPA Society, as well as a member of the faculty for our upcoming Leading Learning Symposium. So before we turn to talking with Ralph, we do want to say a word about the symposium. This is an event that's designed specifically for senior leaders at organizations in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development. And this year, it's going to take place on October 24th and 25th in Baltimore. We've already got a great group coming together for it, and so to find out more about what the symposium is about and to see the great things that last year's attendees had to say about it, visit the event website at symposium.leadinglearning.com. We'd also like to thank Naylor Learning Solutions, powered by Blue Sky eLearn, for being the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast, and you can find out more about Naylor Learning Solutions at naylor.com slash learning hyphen solutions. So, Salisa, what did you and Ralph Gaillard cover in your conversation? Well, we covered a couple of things. I mean, first, as you mentioned, Ralph is the chief learning director at ICPAS. And so we just talked about what they are doing there at that CPA Society in Illinois. Um, They get a lot of attention for the society being kind of an incubator and with a big focus uh, in the area where they're trying to innovate around things like professional uh, development and continuing education. So we talk about what they have going on there. They have a a big portfolio of offerings. And then we also talked about um, what Ralph has learned um, at ICPAS and at other organizations where he's served in a learning role, um, and which translates too into what he's going to be speaking about at the symposium, which is really servant leadership and what it takes to really put together and have a cohesive education team. Well, and I do recall, too, that at last year's Leading Learning Symposium, we did the opening exercise where people told stories, compelling stories, uh, and uh, we sort of did a voting process uh, in, in the end to see how many people connected with which story. And, and Ralph Ralph won that kind of hands down. He had the most people connected to him. He had a fascinating story. He's a fascinating storyteller. Uh, he's always an interesting person to talk to, so really looking forward to this interview. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I'm joined by Ralph Gaillard. Ralph is the Chief Learning Director at the Illinois CPA Society. Ralph, thanks for making time for this conversation, and since I only offered the very briefest of introductions, would you share a little bit more about your background and the Illinois CPA Society and your role there? Sure. Uh, Salise, it's great to be on this podcast. Um, Yes, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Learning Director for the Illinois CPA Society, where we uh, service uh, 23,000 members in the land of Lincoln. Uh, Within my role, uh, I oversee a portfolio of about 31-day conferences, uh, 100 uh, full-day courses, workshops. We also produce about 125, 130 online self-study courses, uh, about half a dozen or so live virtual events, as well as an annual 2,000-person-plus trade show. 
Uh, my background, I've been in learning and development for about 20 years. I have a master's degree in instructional design and have led various learning uh, enterprises for for-profit and not-for-profit for groups. Well, it sounds like you've definitely got your hands full with, with all that going on there at the uh, Illinois CPA Society. Um, I saw recently that Todd Shapiro, the, the CEO there, um, was, was named to Accounting Today magazine's list of the top 100 most influential people. And I know that uh, in awarding the honor that Accounting Today happened to cite Shapiro's use of the Illinois CPA Society as an incubator for new ideas in a range of areas, and they specifically cited professional education. So I would just be interested to get your thoughts on where learning and education fit in with ICPAS's overall strategy. Sure, yes. And uh, by the way, we're, we're very proud of Todd's selection to that list. And it really is a credit to his leadership where he allows new ideas to thrive and become real. Um, to that point, they say that, you know, state governments are in some ways the incubators for new ideas and I believe the same is true for state CPA societies, and <clears throat> forgive me, excuse me, I have a bit bit of a cold today. Um, but under Todd's leadership, he's really offered you know other state CPA societies a template for you know making you know our groups incubators for new ideas, where we can test and experiment new approaches that will improve and enhance the value of our services and products for our actual members. Um, with regard to education, you know, that sort of spirit of innovation that, that Todd has created has, has allowed me and my team to create something called the Learner First Strategy. And that strategy is designed for two purposes. One is to, you know, kind of serve as the member's lifelong learning partner, making sure that we're providing that member with the skills and, and competencies needed to be successful throughout the arc of their actual careers. The other point behind the Learner First Strategy and say, look, if we're going to you know, offer you these skills and competencies, we're going to make sure that the classroom environment is designed in such a way uh, where you know, we're going to engage you in the process, engage your brain in that, you know, that fundamental neural activity that's required to retain and uh, take in new skills and knowledge. And um, <clears throat> none of that would not have been possible without Todd's you know, leadership and allowing you know, this sort of new approach to come to the actual surface. Well, that's great. Yeah, it sounds like two great things going on there. One, that sort of freedom or even um, uh, the push to, to really innovate and, and be an incubator. And then second, really having that focus on the learner and what really supports the learner in Absolutely. making those connections. That's great. Um, Absolutely. You know, so, you know, we've said that you're the chief learning director at the Illinois CPA Society. And, you know, in my experience anyway, that's not a, a particularly common title. So I'd love to hear what having that title means within your organization about kind of, you know, what it says about your role or about the importance of, of education there. And then also what you think that title signals to others outside the organization. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. In fact, I'm very honored to have that title. And I think it, it sends a message to our members that we're taking learning and education seriously. Uh, and more to the point, we want to take education and, and learning and their continuing learning to the next level. Uh, I think it, it demonstrates that they have somebody like myself whose primary focus isn't so much to make sure that they're getting the CPE hours, which, by full disclosure, I fully, you know, get it. I, I re re respect the, the fact that they have to get those hours, but that can't be the only reason they come to an actual course or conference. 
And that kind of goes to my other point, which is in my role is to make sure that they walk away with skills, information, knowledge that's going to help them be better at their job. That's primarily my job. It's not to create and, you know, deliver training. It's to make sure that I'm giving them the tools they need to be better at their actual jobs. And I think, you know, it's a message that is, you know, obviously uh, sent and heard to our membership here in Illinois as well as to our internal staff. But I think it also, you know, can help other state CPA uh, society leaders who run their training departments to kind of think beyond just the hours. Think about what it is you're doing to help your members, your customers be better at, at their jobs each day. And I think that's a great perspective um, because it, it does sounds like it ties back to that learner first strategy that you were talking about. But it also, I think, then takes you into a different realm where you're, you know, if you're really not competing around, hey, we help you just fulfill your requirements, but you're really helping support them in learning, it seems like then that becomes an important differentiator where you're you're not just kind of one of, you know, replace me with any other option. You know, you're actually really focused on that learning. Absolutely. And you've hit a key word here, the differentiator. We believe that, you know, not so much me, I'm, I'm nobody here. <laughs> yeah, I'm being <laughs> humble. But in terms of our learner first strategy, it gives us that sort of competitive advantage. Because as you know, especially in the finance and accounting space, there's a whole lot of competition out there. And we feel as if we say, look, we care about you, we care about your career, and we care about helping you succeed by way of training, perhaps that member or customer who's not a member will look at us twice as opposed to going to to that other third-party vendor. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense to me. And so, Ralph, you're going to be facilitating a session at the Leading Learning Symposium that's coming up in October, and, and you're going to be talking specifically around servant leadership. And, and so I'd love to have you talk a little bit about, in your experience working at the Illinois CPA Society and, and at other organizations for that matter, you know, what have you learned about what it takes to effectively lead an education team? You know, thank you for that question. And, you know, it's something that has obviously been on my mind for, for quite some time. Uh, because if you look at the current environment that we're in, it's something I like to call VUCA. I don't know if you've heard of that um, acronym. Um, it stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity. Aha. And that's, <laughs> that's the world we live in right now, and it is particularly difficult for learning leaders like myself to kind of make sense of what do you do in this world. And, you know, one of the answers that we've come up with here in Illinois is that you have to, you know, going back to your earlier question, become that incubator for new ideas. You have to test and, and um, experiment new practices, uh, programs, courses, etc. However, that takes a great deal of work. And I think, you know, the, the, uh, the rationale behind servant leadership is, you know, we spend a whole lot of time talking about how do we disrupt learning? What sort of, you know, the, the, the next big hot thing in learning, whether it be MOOCs or nano learning or blended learning, which is all great, but I don't think we spend enough time talking about the people behind the scenes who have to bring about that change, mm-hmm. the actual staff members, because it's a lot of work. I'll tell you, the last three years at ICPAS, which is the, um, how we pronounce the uh, um, a- um, acronym for the Illinois CPA Society, it's been a lot of work for, for my staff. You know, I've had to kind of bring them along this journey to not only buy in to change, but embrace it and make it a, a daily part of their actual lives. Um, and servant leadership says essentially one thing. It's not about me as a leader. It's about you, the actual staff member. 
What am I doing to tap into your talents and make sure those talents are being used to fulfill a larger goal or mission? Um, and uh, I think you know using that approach has helped me. It's helped help the staff to uh, to realize also, look, this is a you know a book environment, and we we're all in this together. And by creating you know by using the 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 the, the uh, tenets of servant leadership, trust, respect, uh, empowerment, it's a lot easier to kind of get through the day, the week, the months in trying to experiment with these these brand new um, I, I, I ideas and and. Uh, courses and conferences, practices, et cetera. So. Well, that's great. And um, I, I think it ties in neatly with this because it sounds like, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the servant leadership and, and the approach to education there. And so I, I think it would be interesting to have you tell us a little bit about for listeners who might be at the symposium, if they are there in the, the classroom with you, you know, what, what's your style like? I mean, you mentioned you have a master's in education. I know you're also a, a graduate of the Second City Training Center Improvisation Program. <laughs> and so I'm thinking both those things might influence your approach to facilitation in the classroom, but I'd love to sort of hear you talk a little bit about your style. <laughs> I was hoping that wasn't going to come up. <laughs> I'm kind of a minor celebrity and I was, you know, I'm going to get a whole bunch of emails now from the from the listeners of this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it, I think it kind of ties into how you set up the question. Um, it's not about me. It's about the people in my class. It's about the learner. And so I, to that point, I would say if, if anybody who's, you know, going to go to my class in October and they're expecting to kind of sit back and relax and hear me talk, don't come to my class. <laughs> right. Uh, you're going to be, you know, very active in terms of, you know, uh, you know, learning these new skills. You're going to learn how to, you know, start to um, apply those new skills through a whole lot of brain power and activity. Um, and also, uh, if, since you mentioned my second city uh, background, <laughs> uh, hopefully it's going to be fun. You know, uh, and this is all based on neuroscience, you know, and you know where I'm going with this, Lisa. You know, we now know that a, a happy brain learns more, and there's no reason why a classroom experience can't be fun. You know, as you know, putting the words fun and classroom and training in the same sentence, that, that, that was bad five <laughs> years ago, you know. But now I think people are starting to understand, hey, training can be fun. And you know what? That's okay. And more importantly, now we have the research to say, when you're having fun, you're, you will learn more. So I would just say, you know, buckle up and, and have fun. All right. Well, excellent. Um, so if we shift back a little bit more to your, your current role at, at ICPAS, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that you, you guys really have a pretty robust education offering, you know, a number of conferences, you've got workshops, you've got the catalog of on-demand offerings, you've got live virtual events, you have your big showcase. Um, so, you know, in your role overseeing the, the strategic development and management of all those things, uh, what have you learned? And I realize that's a really big question, but I'm, you know, thinking <laughs> yeah, of things how like, long is this podcast, <laughs> but I'm thinking of any in particular ahas or, or insights and, you know, maybe things that you found to be most effective or, or most popular when it comes to the learning offerings. And, and maybe yeah. those are different things. Maybe the most popular are not the most effective, you know? <laughs> yeah. Great question. You know, it's, it's been quite a journey. As I mentioned, you know, at the top of the, uh, the broadcast, I've been in learning development for about 20 years, and, and, you know, by even way of further background to answer this question, I've taught lawyers, nurses, doctors, uh, corporate PR professionals, workplace safety engineers, uh, HR professionals, 
And like anything else, what, what astounds me is that every audience is different in how you market to them and how they respond to actual promotional offers, as well as how they learn. You know, there is no common thread that I can, you know, say, all right, this is like the magic bullet. There is no magic bullet, you know, for, you know, a, a certain group of, of actual learners, you know. Really experience, background, profession really impacts, again, how they respond to marketing pitches, promotions, as well as, you know, the type of environment that they want to actually, you know, be in. Um, and I guess it's not so much a surprise, but it's something that I, I tend to forget you know, being, you know, in this business for so long that every audience is very different and unique. And you always, always have to, like, you know, pay very close attention to that. I'd say the other thing that has really surprised me in terms of my work here at the, online, or at the uh, Illinois CPA Society is really the, the embrace of, of online self-study. Mm. As I said, I, I've, I've taught a whole lot of various groups, but the accounting and finance space seems to really gravitate towards online self-study, self-paced courses. Um, and I think one of the reasons why is that, you know, we have something called tech season. And for our listeners who don't know what that <laughs> is, you know, my membership is pretty much off the grid, literally, from January until April 15th. Well, why is that? Because they're doing taxes. Um, but to do that work and to do it well, we provide a whole lot of training really in the fall, and a lot of that training is based on get, getting them up to date on the various tax rules and regs. And so everybody's schedule is different. We offer a whole lot of courses, but we also offer a lot of online self-study courses that kind of gives that seasoned practiced uh, uh, CPA sort of a quick you know, burst of learning to kind of refresh themselves on, all right, this tax reg is this, and oh, there's an update to, to this tax law. Um, but yeah, I think uh, more so than other groups I've taught, they really appreciate the solo learning, you know, course experience. All right. So a bit of a, an aha around what this particular set of learners that the accountants seem to like and that that self-paced. Yeah. yeah. Which is far different from other groups. You know, my HR professionals prefer face-to-face learning, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and that, and you know, and I still stay close to that world and that's still the, uh, the actual case. So, Yeah. Well, so, you know, you, you offer all these different types of, of learning at ICPAS, um, and, and you, I, you know, the impact of education, I, I think that that's, we know that that's important. You know, you, you offer the things we were talking about, you know, you're, you don't want to just offer the, the CPE, you want to also be thinking about what, what is it that these accountants are, are actually learning. So, you know, how do you guys go about m- measuring the impact of the education and learning that you offer? And, yeah, yeah. Great question, yeah, and I think this is sort of a, a real opportunity for learning leaders, and it's something that I'm diving into more. Um, sure, you know, one way of measurement is just based on the strict, you know, financial goals, which, you know, is important. You know, I, I, I'm not going to discount that, but if we really want to, you know, take the learner first range to heart, you would, you know, assume that you would look at, all right, is the learning helping that person be better at their job? How do you actually, you know, track that? Now, I will tell you, I have 23,000 learners. Mm-hmm. I really can't, I can't spend the time I need with all 23,000 to say, all right, because you went to this course or conference or online self-study course, did it help you be better at your actual job? No, I can't do that. What I can do is start to subtly and slowly 
change the current um, evaluation structure that I have. Case in point are evaluations. And like any other, you know, uh, learning event evaluation, it's, it's a level one. And I'm sure you know what, what that uh, means. You know, it's sort of that sort of basic smiley face, right. you know, evaluation. What's interesting in the last year, there's been a new body of research uh, by a gentleman uh, named Dr. William Falheimer. I don't know if you know that name. Yeah, um, he's actually been on the podcast a few episodes oh. ago. Yeah, talking about right the sort of uh, the the new smile sheet approach. You know, the, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and you know where I'm going. We have looked at that. We've looked at his research. We looked at his book, and we're starting to apply his practices about how do you turn that smiley sheet evaluation into a performance based assessment. Um, like all things in terms of innovation and change and experimentation, we're starting out slow. We started to apply Dr. Tolheimer's questions to our online self-study courses, and we have plans to apply the, the questions and his framework to other events over the, over the actual uh, next uh, year or so. Well, great. And, we, and, we're, and we're hoping from that assessment, and you know exactly what he's, what he's doing there, he's asking two big questions. One is, what do they walk away with in terms of new skills and knowledge? And number two, how likely are, are they to apply that skill and knowledge to their job when they get back to the actual office? So, Well, great. Well, I look forward to, to catching up with you after you're, you're starting to get some of the results of this new approach to evaluation back and really seeing what, what impact you're having. Um, so here's another big, broad question for you. You know, when you, when you think about learning and kind of what's happening in the world these days, I guess it's sort of the, the VOCA world that you were talking about, you know, what's exciting to you? Is there a particular trend or development that you find yourself really drawn toward or or hoping it'll really take off? Yeah. You know, another great question, you know, and I'll answer this question by way of a story. I was talking to one of my mentors, about a year ago, and he asked me how my job was going. And uh, I told him, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I think, right, where I believe, rather, that, you know, I can really throw everything I know about learning and development out the window and start over. I think it's, it is just a, a brand new territory where any and all ideas, any crazy idea you thought 10 years ago is now something that could actually become an actual event or course or program. And I think the reason for that is because you know, what we talked about earlier, VUCA, this is a very disruptive environment. People are, are hungry, hungry for any sort of help with regard to skills, knowledge, and content that's going to help them, you know, do a better job in that VUCA environment. I also think that, you know, we're at a point in time where the whole idea of lifelong learning is finally, in the words of Mark Marin, a thing. You know, and I'll tell you why. There was a Pew Research study that came out, I believe, in April of this year. And what just struck me like a thunderbolt is that something like 73, 74% of Americans now view themselves, view themselves as lifelong learners. And this is the moment that I've actually been waiting for when people are open to the idea that learning training isn't just something that is finite. You do in grad school or college or high school. It is a continuous process. And so I'm just happy to be alive in this time because it's allowing me to kind of fulfill my, my actual passion to, to help people learn. So I think the other thing that's really um, exciting to me is virtual reality. Um, I think in the next couple of years, I think sooner rather than later, that has a real opportunity to, be, to become a, a game changer 
for those in learning and development. Just picture, you know, being able to uh, practice a skill, especially a soft skill like leadership or, you know, how do you handle a difficult conversation? How do you make a sales pitch by way of a virtual reality program? Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And, you know, based on some research I'm doing, I think that's going to be here sooner rather than actual later. So we will see. Well, I'm, I'm excited about both those things as well. And that, that Pew research, um, that you talked about, you know, we, we actually had John Hargan, one of the, the lead, um, authors behind that on the podcast as well. It's a, it's a great, fascinating report. And you're, you're right, you know, that to see that many, uh, adults identifying, as you know, with that phrase, lifelong learner, that's really exciting. And I also yeah. agree on the virtual reality front. I think that there are really exciting things happening there that can really change how we learn. So next to last question, as we sort of wrap up here, and this is a question that we like to ask everyone who comes on the Leading Learning Podcast. So tell us a little bit about your own lifelong learning habits. Oh, yes. Um, well, I think, you know, it's, it's about not so much. Well, yeah, you're right. It's an actual habit, but how do you maintain that habit? And for me, it's about maintaining my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? I do that actually on a weekly basis. I get the Sunday New York Times um, delivered to my home. And, you know, I'm sort of a news junkie anyway, but that allows me to prep or, or prep or, or prime my mind to become curious. And what I find myself doing after I read, you know, four or five sections is just jotting down some notes as it relates to my job. And then I'll take that, uh, those notes and go downstairs to my office and start to do some research on learning and development trends. Um, it takes me about an hour, you know, uh, but that's kind of my way to kind of keep me fresh in terms of maintaining my, my curiosity. Uh, of course I'm taking other courses, you know, uh, going to conferences like, like the one I'll be attending and speaking at, uh, hosted by you in October. But, uh, you know, I think it's a matter, and, and I'll tell you why I, I mention this, because time. Time is such a, a, a difficult concept for us to master. And if I don't build in that time to read the New York Times, it's not going to, like, allow me to kind of take it to the next level and say, all right, now that my mind is curious, let me continue to do some research on learning and development trends. Well, that's great. I think you make a, a good point there about having it truly be that habit, have it sort of built into your week, and then using that as, as a way to sort of a, a jumping off point to go and explore more. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of uh, exploring more, if, listen, if listeners would like to know more about the Illinois CPA Society or, or connect with you, where, where would you have them look? Yeah, two places. Uh, one is simply uh, at our website, very simple, www.icpass.org. ICPAS is the acronym for the Illinois CPA Society, I-C-P-A-S. And then if they want to reach out to me directly, it's simply my email address, the, the best place to uh, reach me. Um, and that's uh, going to be G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D as in David, R. So it's Guyard R, my uh, first name and the initial for my first name, um, at ICPAS.org. Well, great. Thanks so much time for taking the time today, Ralph, to, to talk with me. No, please. It was a pleasure. Thank you. So that's a wrap for our interview with Ralph Gaillard. As we're exiting, we'll mention our fall event, the Leading Learning Symposium, one more time. And to get information about that, just go to symposium.leadinglearning.com. And again, thanks to Naylor Learning Solutions for sponsoring this podcast episode. 
To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 49. While you're there, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of the podcast, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. And we're always grateful also if you take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. And to do that, all you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And we really appreciate it. It you know, obviously makes us feel good to know that people are out there listening and like the podcast, but it also helps others find the podcast. And speaking of helping others find the podcast, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of your preference and spread the good word that way. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.